Welcome to the Wash Your Mouth Out podcast, power, pleasure, and parenting. We are stigma-smashing feminist parents creating a new narrative. Put in your earbuds. This is for you only. This is the place to be entertained, empowered, inspired, and feel seen while you're raising small humans. We are your hosts, Morea Malat and Madison Young. Madison Young, my co-host of Wash Your Mouth Out podcast. I'm so lucky. I mean, you're doing all of these interviews for your new project. You're letting me interview you today. I'm so excited. You know, I mean, I figured if I'm, I'm doing all of these interviews for all of these other podcasts, I should I probably we, do one for my very own podcast. We can't not have for you our on podcast. our podcast. Yeah, it <laughs> seems like I should probably mention it there. I took a, I took a watch of the, uh, the new docuseries, which is called Submission Possible, um, which you got picked up by Reverie.tv. Um, which I haven't even been able to go too far into the rest of their offerings, but their um, their site slash app is so gay. <laughs> it's like it's so it's gay. Like, it's so gay. It's so <laughs> rainbow. It is so colorful. It's also so like youthful feeling. Yeah, it made me feel like very. Um, just joyful, kind of just like stumbling onto the platform um, and then finding you there. So your release, Submission mm-hmm. Possible, shows on the app right next to Queer as Folk. Nice. <laughs> 20th anniversary like that. reunion special. Um, and uh, I had seen a trailer um, and was very excited about everything you were doing with the time spent with witchy folk, witchy sex magic folk in, uh, in New Orleans. And so it sounds like this docuseries is going to be a bunch of different cities and spending yeah. time with cool people, cool queers in different cities. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of, uh, I think someone said it's like, the Anthony Bourdain of sex. It's like traveling all around the world to different cities and exploring the different um, queer and kink culture and connecting with community and, and meeting the community. And, um, and like, I, I say, it's like inviting everyone to the kitchen table for us to like share our experiences and, and, um, and who we are and <clears throat> kitchen table kink. <laughs> yeah, kinda, you know, I mean, um, someone was asking if, if it's all going to be so cerebral because I, you know, there is a lot of talking in it. And I think that, um, for me, that's something that's really hot, that it's, that it's not just about, um, doing something or having an hour long episode of 
me getting spanked. You can go on to a porn channel and see that. That's not what the show is about, you know. It's about the why and what are we experiencing inside and what happens energetically and emotionally when um, when we're submitting to a scene or choosing a role or, um, or making a disrobing potion. Um, why do these communities form? Like, what's the significance of that? So that's what I'm really interested in. Yeah, it definitely seems like a sociology study for sure to me. And I love that because it's that, but it's also there are, you know, titillating images happening um, that can, I think, feel inspiring for people's um, sexual lives and spiritualities and all of that. And I will say that I was, I was kind of watching it going, oh, like, what age of a person should watch this? And I thought it's definitely not, you know, quote unquote, kid friendly. Um, but minus maybe one scene at the very end, it is pretty cool conversations, topics, uh, people, um, you know, talking about things that are creative for them and that are spiritual for them, at least in this first episode. Um, and then there's some kind of beautiful shot. Yeah. Um, I think I would probably have like the, the 10 o'clock slot on, yeah. on a major yeah, yeah. network, you know, like right after the kids go to bed. Yeah. The, the moonlighting uh, slot. Not the, the, not the 1 a.m. slot, but yeah, no. maybe the yeah. <laughs> The 10 o'clock where like maybe us parents are still awake for one more hour, possibly. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Yeah. Speaking of- That's where it's at. Speaking of parenting, I wondered, um, I know from, you know, being your podcast co-host and your friend that um, you took some time away from parenting to spend some time doing creative work in New Orleans when you were filming this. Uh, And I just kind of wanted to start there with, you know, this is your creation. This is one of your babies. You're one of your creative babies, Um, this submission possible. And, but as a parent and as someone kind of who was like interested in, in what you were doing, um, what is it like to get away for, <laughs> for, for a good chunk of days? What was that? Four days, five days? Uh, luxurious. I think, I think it was a full week that I was down there. Oh, yeah. um, I was, uh, so I was, I was down in new Orleans last April. Um, and I was, teaching and leading um an, an erotic filmmakers retreat um and so in doing that i was working with a group of erotic filmmakers um all women um in developing their scripts um and casting and then um and pre-production and guiding them through the entire process and then uh coaching them through their directing um, on set. Um, so, uh, it was, I was doing that and I had one day, um, that I was going to be off. Um, and I was like, well, I'm down in New Orleans. 
I, I should go ahead and shoot my pilot for this series because I had, I had been shopping around a sizzle reel, which is kind of like a mini little trailer where you're pitching the concept to different networks. And I was like, I feel like I'll be more successful at um, getting a deal if I have the pilot shot. So uh, being the Virgo that I am, I was like, okay, I can shoot it in a day when I have my, oh my day God. off. So fucking <laughs> impressed. So uh, while everyone else was out at the uh, gay Easter parade that was happening, I was <laughs> writing, because <laughs> we were there during Easter, I was um, writing the script and uh, casting the folks that I'd be interviewing and uh, doing all the pre-pro in a single really afternoon and then shot it in a 18 hour day on a Monday, wow. the Monday following Easter. Wow. Um, I had yeah. no idea because I just watched this, um, episode and, you know, I know that usually a whole lot of editing happens to, to any kind of film. And so you usually have so much footage, you know, that needs to get whittled down. And I would have, and this is a, you know, it's a pretty, how long is the episode? It's pretty short. It's like, what? Yeah, it's, it's just under 40. Yeah, I think it's like 37 minutes or something. Mm-hmm. And then it's closer to an hour once they unreverie add the commercials. Right, right. And, and, but it goes by really fast. And Mm -hmm. I, I would have imagined that that would be like four days worth of footage. (laughs) You know, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it should, in the budget I'm creating for the rest of the series, it will be a four day production. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, I mean, I've, I've, um, I've learned how to be very, resourceful with the time and, and resources and, and budget that I have. So um, I only had, um, I, I had an incredible um, cinematographer, Marion Hill, who was shooting it and lighting it. Mm. And she brought all of her own equipment. Mm. She's incredible. So beautiful. so beautiful. She did an incredible job. And, um, and then I had one of my erotic film school students holding the boom mic um and and that was it that was our crew and and we were running all around um all around new orleans uh with my shot list getting everything that i wanted to get so um i think (laughs) we i think we did a pretty good job and my editor my editor is amazing um as well, uh, Christopher Zeischeg, and he's a uh, a writer and sound guy and amazing editor. He edits all my films, um, and uh, yeah, so I was very lucky to have him too. Mm. He did all of all of the the editing and coloring and um, post sound and yeah, very talented. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. I, I was wondering about who, who had done the, the editing and, and lighting and all of that, because it is really beautiful. I hope you get to use those people for the, the rest of the... Um, but, you know, I mean, going away to another, like, a kinky mansion for a week, 
um, even in holding space and doing all that work, you know, I mean, if I, if I had decided to bring the kids and go home each night to them, it, I mean, I, I have still done things like that, but I, I, I don't, I would have looked so much more tired. <laughs> oh, you have. I know you have done things like that. Like, right. what, like with reveal all. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, absolutely. Doing that. that was nuts. That was nuts when I attempted to do my one woman show tour with no other babysitting help. And that, that was just. Oh, that was like not- when I was at the time when I met you in New York. Yeah. 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 The kids were with you. And the kids were with me. Yeah. We were like trying to have a conversation. It's just impossible. (laughs) Yeah. It was, it was ridiculous. Yeah. But that show, that show was amazing. Really, really cool to get to, to see you in in that one woman show. Um, So here's a question about parenting and and doing that kind of work. Um, So you were away for this period of days. What is harder, doing a regular amount of work and parenting or doing like the amount of intensive work that you were doing, like doing this film school and then a whole day of filming? Um, Like what is more intense? Hmm. Well, you know, I mean, the thing about doing when you when you do retreats or a tour or um, or anything like that, where where I'm doing an 18 hour day, I mean, you can do that for a few few days. I can have a um, I'll go and do a four or five day film shoot and have long, maybe more like 12 hour days, and um, and be quite burnt by the end of that four or five day stint, but, um, you need, you you can't do that like every day that can't, I, I, I wouldn't, I need to have recovery time. Um, it, it's, it's kind of cyclical, you know, it's like, there's the development stuff and the, the writing and, uh, and, and the things that do happen as, as you're letting the, project evolve and then you're creating the container for it and then you've put together a really nice strong team so that that team is in place to support you while you're manifesting that vision I mean with this pilot it was I mean I was really just super blessed because I mean Marion was incredible and I had never worked with her before um and I had never been to New Orleans before, and the majority of my energy was really um, allocated out to these other filmmakers um, because that's what I was there for, and they were paying to be at this retreat, and I was holding space for them, and you know I was just um, trying to <laughs> trying to work in my own <laughs> my own project into the thing, which I had time to do and did. Um, and that worked out. Um, but I, I was just very lucky that mm-hmm. Marion was so incredible and that, um, and that these incredible guests just fell into my lap really. Um, yes. 
Yeah, they seemed really cool. Let's just talk about the title, Submission sure. Possible. <laughs> uh, which is a very clever title. I know that you um, generally consider yourself a submissive, right? That's and correct. I think a lot of feminists would stay away, you know, self-proclaimed feminists would stay away from thinking of themselves as submissive um, sexually or in any other way. And I, I remember a conversation I had with a friend who we were just talking about I don't know, some, some random sex stuff with her boyfriend. And um, I said something about like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And when you're submissive. And she got really mad at me. And she said, no, 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 it's not that I'm submissive, it's that I'm receptive. And I, <laughs> and I, I said, oh, well, yes, you're, you're right. Those are two different things. And you certainly, you know, you can own whatever words you want and yeah. mean different things to different people. But, you know, I know that she's this, she's always been, um, a feminist, and actually, I also think of her as a pretty um, sex positive feminist, but something about submissive was yeah. so. I think some people find that the word submissive and passive are, um, are maybe synonymous, and which is not how I experience it. Right. Um, and I would say that I'm quite aggressive in my submission. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I, I and that I'm a rather aggressive masochist, and 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 not in 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 um, aggressive and I'm not harming anyone, but aggressive is in I am very. I will push things to their extreme and I like to see what my body uh, and uh, mind and spirit are capable of. And I like to play on that edge and I like to surrender to that. And I think that surrender is a beautiful, beautiful experience. That's, that's what I like to play with. Um, yeah. So. So I would, I would, you know, I mean, I think that if it's described in that way, some people might feel a little different about it, yeah. but I, I think uh, the word submissive kind of gets a, <laughs> a bad rap where people have a lot of, a lot of feelings about it. Well, I think that that surrender word for me, surrender feels like a spiritual principle, mm -hmm. you know, and that like there are, there are things in our lives that we're all going to have to surrender to, right? And there, yeah. there are ways that, that our culture creates this intense desire for control and this idea that we should be in control of everything all of the time. Um, and so I think, it, you know, just as a spiritual principle, surrender and being able to tap into some amount of surrender, even for people who don't identify as masochistic or submissive um, is, is a good thing. Yeah. I think that, I mean, I completely agree with that. And I'd, I'd say that, um, you know, I've, I've told people before that I feel like my, my meditative 
practice um, and my breath work that I do has many a times, I mean, almost always really come into play and integrates with my submission and with my masochism and the, and the play that I do in kink um, because of that sense of surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, this episode, because it's, it's dealing with sex magic and witches, it's, it, it really is all about that intersection of spirituality and sex and kink. Um, do you imagine that, that the upcoming other episodes will also delve into those intersections? You know, I mean, I think it's a little bit hard to tell, but I would say so. I, I mean, I don't, I think that this one in particular um, had, um, was pretty heavy leaning in that direction. But I think that even if I'm in Berlin and covering their BDSM scene or, um, it, you know, and if, and if it does involve some things that are, are more, say, leather or later text. Um, I think there's a spirituality to that too, you know, and there's, I'm really interested in the internal inner workings that happen, um, in a BDSM scene. Mm -hmm. So you'll see the, you know, the, with every, um, episode, there'll, there'll be something physical that you'll, you'll be seeing, but you'll also hear a lot about what's going on emotionally and spiritually and and psychologically um, for everyone involved. And literally the first part of this first episode talks about uh, a word I didn't know before, which is spectrophilia. Spectrophilia. Yes. Which is Mm -hmm. like kind of like sexual encounters with spirits or ghosts. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Or um, it, it can also be being turned on by haunted spaces or haunted mm. things. Like mm. if you feel that, I don't know, you know, like haunted dolls or um, objects that might have a, a haunting mm. energy to them or a space that is haunted mm. and not turning you on. So I don't want to go into too much detail about what happens in the episode and, and what you the conversations you have with people around that. But I wondered for you, because I was wondering while I was watching the episode, have you had any sexy encounters with spirits or are there spirit worlds or, or things that um, are particular turn-ons for you? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I definitely have called in energies and like deities and ancestors and um, uh, different entities when I'm engaging in sex magic, Um, but I haven't engaged in um, sex necessarily with those spirits, but sometimes I call them in and like their energy into the room because often I'm harnessing that power to like manifest something into existence or to send out protection or, um, so, uh, but I, I, (laughs) I have not had, um, really a sexual experience with 
a spirit. Um, however, the, the place we were staying at definitely had a lot of very active spirits. And I, I feel like I am, um, and in New Orleans in general, it was, it was for anyone that is kind of, um, attuned to those energies. I think probably even for folks that might not be super attuned, it's, um, they were just kind of everywhere. And I, I thought it's a very ghost, ghosty place. Huh? It's a, it's a very ghosty place. And several people, um, several of the, uh, erotic filmmakers, um, that were staying there had experiences, um, with spirits. And Ooh. I, there was one night that I was staying in the, in the master bedroom, which was this big, beautiful master bedroom. I, my, the interview that was shot with, um, with Gypsy where I'm on like kind of the couchy thing and you can see the big bathroom in the back. It's like, it was a no, it was this enormous, gorgeous, beautiful master bedroom. However, it had a lot of activity. Um, and one night before I, I was about to go to bed and, and I like in the haze of almost closing my eyes, I, I saw a, a mother and a child and they mm. were, um, yeah. And, uh, I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, you see, and then you, went, then you went to sleep, huh? <laughs> and I went to sleep. You know, most of the, everyone, everyone there, you know, the, the consensus was that all the spirits seemed like they weren't going to cause it much trouble that they were all just kind of curious and uh and 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 most people were like that you know they were just like okay there's the living and there's the dead and there's this thin veil and you know sometimes we're in the same spaces and we just respect each other mm. but largely the consensus was from many people don't invite spirits into your bed because they're not great with safe words um, and that they don't know when to stop. Yeah, that was that was that. a super interesting conversation in the yeah in in the episode for sure. I was like, oh yeah, there's there's they're probably not good with consent. That's right. <laughs> don't invite them into your bed. Well, I actually have a story for you. Yeah, um, it, about a possibly kinky spirit encounter. Wow, that I hadn't thought about in a while until your episode. And I was uh, visiting my parents' home, which they no longer own, um, but which was our family home for a long time uh, that was built by my grandfather. Um, and uh, there were, there are, are spirits uh, that we've always known. And my parents are really into ghosts. My parents are really into everything paranormal. Um, and there was always ghost activity in the house. It was it so much that it just it, it, impossible for anyone to deny it, even though I really wanted to as a teenager because it scared the fuck out of me. Yeah. Um, and I just didn't want it. I was like, I just don't need this. I don't want it. Right. Um, so there were um, three, at least, um, different spirits there. All, um, two wives, two of my grandfather's wives had died there and he died there. Um, while I was alive. And um, 
uh, his wives always had their own bedrooms and that was my bedroom. And you can start to feel how this is getting weird. Uh-huh. <laughs> he wasn't my biological grandfather. He was my dad's adopted grandfather. So th- we always just knew about this paranormal activity. There were some times where I was a little bit scared by it, but never felt like particularly touched um, by it. And then I was away college for years, um, two or three years into college, I came back and was just staying in my regular room and, um, my, and I just woke up out of a dead sleep one night and somebody was holding me down. Oh, wow. And, uh, and the energy that I felt was definitely of like a sexual aggression in nature, though I didn't feel anything particularly sexual. I just felt held down. Like I couldn't move. Yeah. Um, and, you know, most terrifying experience of my life for sure. And I've, I've since talked to therapists and, and uh, other spiritual people about it. And, you know, could have been that, could have just been that, or could have been waking up with some strange panic attack. And they're also kind of like um, parasomnial, which is like strangeness of the sleep, parasomnial, um, uh, paralyzing things that can happen. So Mm -hmm. maybe I wasn't fully awake. So there's all these different interpretations. Um, but because already knowing there's spirits in the house, right. Um, it, it always seemed, you know, it didn't even seem like it was necessarily like being done to me. It was almost as if it was like some, like some energy that had like happened multiple times in this room or something. But oh, I was wow. in that room, you know, I, I lived in that room for years and this only happened one time. Right. So who knows? But it de- your episode definitely made me think about that. And, wow. and uh, yes, yeah, such an interesting, uh, 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 definitely a possible weird possibly kinky (laughs) or possibly fucked up um encounter so uh leave to a next topic now (laughs) um you went speaking of spirits Uh you went to marie laveau's grave or not really So I will tell you the story. <laughs> we can also delete this if you don't want to actually tell no, the story. No, it's okay because you know what? It's, it's, a, it's a story and, that's, and it's a film. So um, we... Because I'm like, I'm like watching it and then I like, was like looking at like, of course Marie Laveau Marie. stuff and I'm like, that is not her tomb. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Okay, so here's, there's a couple of things and I think they're all worthy of, of conversation. Um, so, you know, I had written it into the script. I wrote, I wrote the script and I was like, oh, okay, of course I have to like, like there's, there's this whole thing around Marie Laveau. I have to go and, and get footage of that. And, and I talked to, um, when I talked, I was like, oh, a gypsy could meet me there and we could do the interview and then go back to the house. And, and she was like, Marie's not my ancestor and I don't feel cool with that and I kind of don't dig like uh shooting in cemeteries and I'm like okay that makes sense you know 
and um, and I and I think especially around uh, just just the relationship that people had in New Orleans with the dead. You know, I mean, I really wanted to respect that. You know, and I and I and I did respect that. I was like, okay, we're not going to shoot there, um, and it'll be good because we have one day to shoot this and. Um, so I just, I had a half a day of, um, pickup shots, um, that I shot in Portland when I got back. And that's when I shot like the stuff with the dominant that's at the beginning and the, at the end, and then the, um, uh, a, a cemetery that is, um, a few blocks from my house. Um, so we just, I just wanted to get a little bit of footage in a cemetery to, tell the story Mm -hmm. of Marie Laveau Mm -hmm. um but I I think it I think it's an interesting conversation to have surrounding I mean I I I don't live in New Orleans and I I I in every way whatever city I go to I think it's really important to respect I'm there to respect and learn from the communities um, n- not to barge into their cemeteries when people think I shouldn't. So yeah. <laughs> I'm certainly not going to do that. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that listening to that, so that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, just to let people know, Marie Laveau, it's like such a witch icon for so many people, um, both Catholic yes. and pagan. The voodoo queen. The voodoo queen. Um, Creole, mixed race, free person of color, but who also owned many slaves, which is an interesting thing. That was what people who had money at the time did in that city. Um, Hairdresser and midwife. Right. And just apparently revered and just walked the streets as if she owned them. And there's like so much complicated in that story. And there's also the story of like, was all of that her because her daughter had the same name and was also a witch. Mm. Um, and so anyway, very interesting. So um, I was going to ask if Marie Laveau granted your wish, but you didn't really put the coins. No, I didn't. You know, I have to go back to New Orleans. You have to go back. And just on my own, my own little spiritual experience. Um, Unfortunately, because it, you know, it was, there was only time for so much and, um, and, and we shot so many films and, and the show and, there was, uh, so most of my time was spent at this gorgeous, kinky, sex positive mansion. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and, uh, although, you know, we did get to go out and I, I got to see a few of the, um, the gay bars and we, uh, met up with, um, uh, Elise the Beast at, um, at the Phoenix, which was just such a glorious old school grungy leather bar. It um, definitely uh, reminded me of, of, of like the stud or um, mm-hmm. the eagle or, or, you know, it was, it had that, that wonderful kind of vibe to it. It was really It's important. Fun. I think even like aside from your 
the particular point of this film, so important to have these old queer places on film. Oh, yeah. Because we're losing them so quickly. I know. And the stud, I just saw. Yeah. I know it's just like one by one the the buildings and it's it's just like the the history and the stories that these places hold you know I mean my old feminine potence is a Verizon it's just like the gentrification and the yeah I know it's it's just but you know yeah there there's such historical important places um that really held space for our community to gather and we just have to continue to create keep gathering you know as soon as corona is over or do so virtually um um, but these spaces are so important yeah well you know reverie.tv exactly (laughs) that's the new gay bar I know Corona. It, it feels like it. It's um, you know, I I I was really happy to find a home for this show in a place that was such family and to know that um they weren't going to censor it and they believed in my vision and they were like this is exactly what we want more of on on Reverie. Um mm-hmm. so um, that was, that was really nice. So you were with this, I don't know how this person identifies gypsy, uh, is the name with an I at the end. Yes. And this is a, um, priestess or witch or, <laughs> uh, do you so know how they identify? Yeah. Gyp- oh, so gypsy uses she, her pronouns and is a, uh, doula and herbalist and an alchemist as well as um a, a witch um and uh and puts together a queer dance night called ascendance in um in new orleans this so. episode i love that the the episode kind of centers black sex witches Mm-hmm. Um, and in our current social climate, I've personally been making sure that I'm listening to and learning from Black voices and because of things that I'm interested in following, you know, more and more um, Black witches and priestesses mm-hmm. um, and just, you know, listening and learning. And so, so Gypsy is with an I as their last name. Yeah, Gypsy San Diego. San, Gypsy San Diego. And so with Gypsy, one of the things, I mean, she seems so cool. Um, but you uh, and Gypsy smoked some aphrodisiacal, <laughs> is that a word? <laughs> aphrodisiastic, aphrodisiacal, what is that? I like all of those. Okay. <laughs> um, you smoked... Um, I, I okay. I'm trying to remember. It was Damiana, yes, and go Damiana. to cola, yes, go to and, cola and rose petals, yeah. And I think Lavender? I think there might have been some blue lo- was there blue lotus? lotus. I think, yes. yeah. Okay, I think not also lavender, blue lotus. Okay, so you rolled these like joint looking things, yeah. And it never occurs to me 
to smoke my herbs. And these were like aphrodisiacs. How did it feel? I didn't really, there, like there's not enough yeah. time, right? Like things get edited down and you kind of get the gist. But I wanted to go into that. Like what did it feel like? Yeah. Um, it felt really, really good. Um, I, you know, I, I don't really, um, I only drink a little bit and I, I don't, I haven't smoked pot in well over a decade. So I, I, you know, I'm fairly, um, light, lightweight and susceptible to (laughs) pretty much anything entering my system. But it felt glorious. I mean, for one, I just, I, I loved the entire ritual. I, 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 the colors of the herbs were so beautiful and set with such intent and, and then rolling them, which I needed some help with the rolling because that was just not really happening. And I was, I didn't know what you were doing. I didn't know what I was doing. I tried to roll a burrito and it, you know, not the same. Um, and, you know, and so Gypsy helped me with that. And then, you know, she lights, lights it and we're like inhaling and, and the, the ritual of the smoke. And she talks about, you know, how, how sexy and seductive it is to like, she'll like blow smoke in in her partner's face you know how smoke sends a message and um and there's like it was it was such a a lovely ritual and then the actual herbs just they made me feel kind of like warm and tingly and and really uh kind of uh sensitive and and really really good just touch felt amazing I felt super relaxed um I I felt very receptive like your friend said I felt I felt very uh very warm and open and and um enjoying um enjoying touch yeah it was very nice interesting so it actually did have some sort of true um effect on your brain oh yeah definitely I mean I I would love more of it I need to um she has a whole business where I believe it's called um we can look up the link after but I believe it's called gypsies jars and um and and you can get um some of her herbs oh that's cool to you and um, the other person, um, the queer, poly, kinky person. Yes, Ashton Young. Ashton Young. Yes. And um, they seemed really cool, too. And they are super cool, yeah. And what was your favorite part about meeting with them? Um, I think oh, so many lovely parts but I I think one of you know by that time it was getting really late at night (laughs) and I'd already had the herbs and I'd already ran all over uh New Orleans and um and and we really finished the night with that lovely 
ritual and making the disrobing oil. And, and I, I knew that was something that I really wanted. I was like, is there, is there anything that you make that we can be around the kitchen? Because I wanted to kind of show that, that community aspect and mm-hmm. having everybody together. And I, I loved that. And, you know, I talked to Ashton and they said that was one of their favorite parts of, of that whole experience as well was when we were just all in the kitchen and um, all putting our intention into the oil together. And, um, you know, I, I <clears throat> with the witchcraft that I do and the magic that I do, it's, it's almost always alone. Occasionally I'll get to go to an event or a circle or something, but um, so much of it um, is, is a solo practice. Um, and, and my goodness, it does, it feels so, so good when everyone is there and putting their energy into something together and having Ashton, um, like share this recipe and this ritual with us and all of us engaging in it together Mm. was, was super magical and, um, really filled up my heart. So we will put the links for those folks on our Wash Your Mouth Out podcast website um, so that those folks, um, you can follow them. You know, in in terms of just um, thinking about learning from and listening to Black spiritual practitioners, I just wanted to talk really quickly about how kind of the the space um, that you all created together reminded me of this um, a couple weekends ago, I did the spirit weavers retreat, which wound up, it was supposed to be on the land in Oregon, but wound up being online. And uh-huh. I had, and I, um, it, it's, it's an event that has typically for many, many years been like a women only event and recently has become uh, welcoming of trans and non-binary folks. They've done a lot of work around that. And also this year they did a whole lot of work around um, centering black voices and um, using this space as a way to help people with their anti-racism work. And uh, so there were some amazing witches and healers that I got to learn from. And one, I just wanted to point out that that did this super cool um, letting go ritual um, uh, is Stacy with an I, Ivory with an I. Um, This like amazing witch um, who I think is in New York. Um, But anyway, so many cool places to go to meet so many. Like just, there's like folks everywhere. and uh and that what part of that like ritual was was um getting to know sort of like the dark goddess the dark priestess the darkness about us mm-hmm. um and the shadow self um so anyway i just wanted to throw that out there because um nice. it reminded me of that of that uh that experience there's some really racy stuff in the work that you do even when it's kind of more sociology documentary um, work. And what is it like for you being what some folks might call a quote, sexual deviant (laughs) as a parent, Uh right? So the world is 
changing rapidly in many ways. And I always think of things like kink and polyamory and stuff that's like on the borders of um, what's accepted. I always think that like when it comes to being a parent, those are the places where we sort of lack intolerance and acceptance and understanding of folks when, when those things merge, the, the quote, sexual deviant and as a parent. Have you had like pushback on all that stuff in your, in your, you know, when people know more about your creative work or? Um, yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I feel like, I feel like things are shifting and changing some, um, you know, when I, when I started doing all this work, um, 18 years ago, I, I knew that I wasn't going to be in the closet about it. And so I just chose to always be out and, but it definitely has, I've had death threats. I've lost housing. I've lost leases for places. I've had rocks thrown at me. Um, I've, uh, you know, there's been, uh, people there's there's huge sexual stigma that exists out there there's enormous whorephobia that exists out there and um and and it's 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 why i choose to do the work that i do and continue to create spaces for conversation um, about sex and sexuality and sex work and kink is the more that we talk about it um, the safer it will be to talk about it. But, um, you know, I feel like all of those people that spew hate, um, they, that's, that's their shadow, you know, and under that shadow is some kind of wound where they didn't feel um, held or able to express their sexual self or felt felt shame as well around sex and then are spewing that onto others. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard because it's like in doing this work, you know, that that will happen. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think in, in being a parent, that was a, in a whole different level, you know, it's been, um, I have a, a, a nine-year-old now, so almost a decade and um, I was open about, I, I worked in erotic film throughout my pregnancy and, um, and then gave birth and, I, and was, was open about being a parent. And I think that blew a lot of people's um, minds. It was difficult for a lot of people because at that time, 10 years ago, um, a lot of the, the folks that were porn performers were still closeted about being a parent mm -hmm. and they didn't talk about it because that's the only thing that felt safe. And I still don't post photos of my children on my public profiles because it doesn't feel safe. Um, and, and I think that's a shame. I think that's a shame that um, an actress you know, like Angelina Jolie or whatever can post a photo of her kids um, and do a sex scene in a movie, but that we judge a sex worker 
you know, that there's this societal shame surrounding a sex worker or a porn performer in a different way mm-hmm. um, and that they shouldn't be a parent. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think there's, there's a lot there, um, but I, I have seen um, massive shifts happen in the last decade. I see that um, more performers are talking about being parents, the more um, open about it. Um, that uh, sometimes they'll cover up their kids' faces, but still talk about it or share experiences. Um, and I'm, I have a, a book that's coming out in the spring that's an anthology um, compiling stories of um, adult performers and folks who have, have been in erotic film in some way um, that are also parents. And it's called Becoming MILF. Um, so that will be out on PM Press in the spring. And I'm excited about, about that collection of essays. I think the kind of thing where you're talking about um, people in the, you know, erotic industries, just like naming on social media, you know, whether they use faces or not, but just naming the fact that they are parenting. Yeah. I feel like that being willing to name and own being a parent while in that industry it will go such a long way toward ending all of this sexual shame period. Because I think so much of, of shame in general around sex comes from these idea, these dichot- this dichotomous idea of good and bad. Children are good, but the sex is bad. Right. And, um, some kinds of work are good for feeding your children and other kinds of work are bad for feeding your children. And, and the think- people that work in, uh, in the sex industry that they can only be one thing, you know, yes. and, and, and that, I think that also what that's doing when people dehumanize sex workers is that it's trying to protect themselves, that these people don't exist in the real world, which is one of the reasons I don't really love it, even amongst feminists who say things like um, the, that the porn or the sex that's happening in porn is not real like as if I'm not real and really having sex. Right. <laughs> and it's okay to say that maybe it's embellished <laughs> or performative in some way, but you don't know. Like it's a film. Yeah. Um, you can't always tell if someone's like really into it or acting that they're into it too. And, and so many, so many um, performers in porn just enjoy their jobs. What's wrong with that? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I think it's, it's a, it's a slow process. It's a, um, but I have seen, I have seen changes uh, over, over the last 10 years of uh, almost 10 years of being a parent. And, you know, there's not that much sex in like real sex other than not alluding to sex, but real sex in the media. And so the sex media that we have that's yes. really sex is porn and, exactly. and sex workers who are um, visible um, also as human beings on social media. And I, I feel like because that's where we can see that if, if we are able to see these performers and producers like yourself um, 
rectifying the mother and the whore within themselves, then there's something to look to for regular old folks who, who aren't adult performers, right? Like it is possible to own whore on a large yeah. level and also own mother or parent. Absolutely. Yeah. Where's this series going next? I mean, this is your podcast. So aren't we privy to this information? <laughs> what, where is the next episode happening? You know, that's a great question. Where should it happen? I think here's, well, I here's the thing is COVID. that it's COVID. It has to God be. God damn it. It you has know? to be the next episode is in Portland with masks on all of the people. <laughs> eroticizing masks well the um (laughs) so the show was brought on to reverie and the the ink was dry like once the quarantine hit like that's i i got the the contract once um quarantine hit so but we wanted to to tantalize folks with the the first episode and get that out there and and get some momentum happening, you know, like some energy surrounding the series. You know, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm looking into it right now and I'm, and I'm, I'm trying to refigure the first season and how I can um, possibly shoot some things that are road trippable with like um, one person, a one person crew. Um, and uh, the the first episode though is going to be on quarantine or the second episode the next episode oh. should be. so it, it is going to be on how we have adapted during quarantine within the kink and queer community so things like um uh, virtual dom session um Ooh. here in portland they have a a drive-through strip club yes um and uh and different uh virtual sex parties, things like that. I'm still doing some research and I have the, the outline for the script is, is coming together, but um, I'm still doing some research on some, some cool folks to feature in this next episode, which hopefully I can shoot by like the end of July. And um, so will that be like Portland centered? Or just like from all over? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that I'm going to be shooting some of it in Portland and then all um, I will be shot in Portland. But um, I think that we'll also be featuring some folks that are elsewhere in the world and I'll have them shooting themselves talking to me yeah I mean it's, it's, it's it kind of an really, interesting setup of like it'll be how, really real to have like zoom footage <laughs> well I think there will be zoom footage but there's I mean you know I mean this I don't know how interesting this is to the the listeners but it, it you know folks that have like nice cameras you like basically have them shot doing the zoom call or talking and that we have high quality footage mm-hmm. and then same on my end um, I've, I've done it before um, and, and that way you can splice in some of the, the zoom footage, With but, the magic um, of editing, but yes. the magic of editing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Making it all work. 
Well, that sounds like a really cool episode. I'm really interested in um, what's going to Where do you think the show should go next? What's because I, I mean, I have a non-COVID list of, I, I really want to go to Tokyo. I want to go to London, Berlin, and then some places in the Midwest and in the South. I, I mean, get, like, I know, I definitely know that you know somebody cool in Berlin that we've interviewed before. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Those are all loftier places than I immediately imagined. How about drivable places? <laughs> drivable places. I, I mean, where can I drive? Well, you can come up here to Seattle. True. There's, I do have Seattle on my There are a lot of kinky list. queers here, as you know. I mean, it is drivable from Portland to San Francisco. You are obviously going to do San Francisco at some point. We will. I have to decide how. Yeah. Yeah. Some of it is but also going to be like, what, what can I shoot? And it's going to be fully safe to be shooting. Well, that's why I think you time. should just figure out a topic that, that sounds hot, that would be doable in, in Portland. Cause there's so much you, I mean, there's so much going on in Portland. Yeah, but it's a travel series, so it's like about yeah, me so leaving Portland. Well, yeah, so, so I guess maybe the first couple. Know. You should maybe you could still do that at some point, but maybe not right away. So what's yeah. drivable? I'm trying to. I'm thinking of all these small places that might not have that much going on queer kink wise. Drivable, drivable. Hmm. You know, I mean, we're. I think so much of it is. Is playing it, but yeah, Vancouver's. I've in Canada. Yeah. Oh wait, we can't go to Canada now. Yeah, isn't there something about? We're not allowed. We're too. We're too germy. We're too germy. (laughs) It's true. Not not enough people keep on their masks. Yeah. Wear your mask. That just. I mean, when you were talking about COVID and masks, I was like, oh, medical fetish. Yeah, that could like, be an episode. <laughs> I really want to do. I, I'd love to shoot some Folsom and do exhibition stuff, like exhibitionism, and shoot some stuff at Wicked Grounds, and mm-hmm. um, maybe some hook suspension stuff. You know, I think so. you know. I can. I don't know where this would happen because I, I imagine any big city you could kind of do any kind of topic, but I imagine like a blood play episode mm-hmm. um vampires vampire yeah that could be so many things right it could be like menstrual blood things True. it could be vampires yeah. like you could put a whole bunch of different parts in there anyway that's what I might be um curious about <laughs> I wonder I don't think it's a problem for television versus porn see there's so yes. many rules that are different for like blood is fine in tv just not genitals, but in porn, you can't show blood, but you can show genitals. Right. So if you're not, you're not going to be showing genitals anyway. No. So, yeah. so you get to show blood. Yeah. Fun. <laughs> anyway, that's my vote. I don't know where you're going, but that's my vote. <laughs> I think I'll have to take a big, big public vote. And then um, for, for yeah. ideas, both topics and, um, and cities. Um, so if you have, if you have great ideas for Madison, you can email Madison at Madison at madisonyoung.org. 
And the best website to find your stuff right now is? Uh, MadisonYoung.org. <laughs> and... <laughs> And uh, you can find the show at reverie.tv. Yes, go watch it. it. It's free to download, you know, to get an account um, and very quick and easy. Um, it was easier than I imagined it might be. It's sort of just like queer Netflix. But yes, exactly. They also host, I mean, but they have movies. They have like the, the, the old, some of the old queer movies. They have like queer series. They have like so much stuff. And also it turns out they... Um, host podcasts they do and guess guess where we just got picked up at wash your mouth out podcast we're gonna be on reverie.tv too here we come <laughs> exciting i mean along with all the other places that, that we are um but that's an exciting place to sort of showcast our um our queerness a little bit absolutely we are so many things but um queer is is one of them um, this was cool. Any last thoughts? I don't think so. Thank you so much, Maria. That was lots of fun. All right. Thank you. You've been listening to Wash Your Mouth Out Podcast. You can find us on the web at washyourmouthoutpodcast.com. Come follow us on Instagram at washyourmouthoutpodcast and on Twitter at mouthoutpodcast. Wash